Father, we want to ask now that uh, you would come and be our wisdom, come and be our help, come and be our light. And we want to pray that you would teach us uh, by your word and by your spirit uh, things that will do us good, things that will bring healing to the depths of our hearts and our lives, things that will enable us to live well for, for your glory things that will enable us to bear fruit uh, in the way that we live in our lives. And so come, come, Holy Spirit, uh, help us as we open up your word this morning. Uh, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's read together. We're going we're gonna to jump right in. Uh, last week we were reading about treasures and money and the love of money. Uh, and the section we're going to read this morning really follows uh, directly on from that. Uh, but we're going to focus a lot on the theme of worry this morning. Uh, So let's read uh, Matthew chapter 6, reading from verse 25. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more, more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air, They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single R to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon, in all his splendor, was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown in the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom, and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. I think one of the the most beautiful passages in the Sermon on the Mount, and one I want to encourage you to take into your week and read uh, a few more times as you, you go through your week, Um, But several times in this passage, Jesus says, do not worry. Do not worry about your life. Do not worry about food and clothes. Do not worry about tomorrow. Um, I wonder how those words land with you this morning. (laughs) Don't worry. Um, I wonder, is it really possible to live a life without worry? It's it's maybe hard for most of us to imagine. Worry can kind of form the background buzz to our daily lives. Um, It's probably fair to say for us where we live in the world, um, most of us don't worry that much about having food and clothes tomorrow. Um, Again, like as we mentioned last week, it's worth pausing to say there are plenty of people in the world today for whom that is a real and active worry. Will we have enough to eat tomorrow? Will I have clothes to to put on my kids tomorrow? Um, Most of us are confident of being clothed and fed tomorrow, but we still find plenty of things to worry about, right? 
Um, it seems like worry arises because life is unpredictable and uncertain, and we, we don't know what might happen tomorrow. And so our heads get full of what ifs. What if this happens? What if this goes wrong? What if? What if? What if? And we worry about all kinds of small and silly and trivial things. And we also worry about really big, important things, about sickness and death and the people we love and accidents and all the rest. Um, I wonder what you worry most about as you go through your days. Um, some, maybe one of the buzzwords um, of our time is the word anxiety. I guess anxiety is kind of a generalized worry where we're not necessarily even worrying about anything specific, but we just have this buzz of anxiety around our, our minds and hearts. And there seem to be things about the modern world that increase anxiety. So you hear people talking about anxiety being on the rise. Um, the poet W.H. Auden wrote, uh, wrote about the age of anxiety back in 1947. And he believed that the complexity of the modern industrial world was making us anxious. Um, and you don't need me to tell you the world has got a lot more complicated since 1947. Um, some people say too much choice makes us more anxious. This is a very different anxiety to, to being worried about not having enough food tomorrow. But we have so many choices about TV channels and breakfast cereals and career options and marriage partners and all kinds of things that we get paralyzed by fear of making the wrong choice and the fear of missing out on the best choice. And that can make us anxious. Um, there's lots and lots of evidence that our screens make us more anxious, that our, our addiction to our phones and social media and all the rest uh, makes us much more anxious, anxious. We live inside a constant news cycle of anger and outrage and anxiety and envy, and it, it just creates that buzz of anxiety. Uh, one social commentator says social media is like a, a shared nervous system that spreads ambient anxiety <laughs> through society. And I think that's, that's true. Um, so there's, there's lots of reasons why maybe this passage from Jesus about worry, it maybe speaks differently to our age than it did to his. But I think it's a very much needed um, challenge and, and encouragement for us. Here's Jesus saying, do not worry about your life. Um, and maybe we wonder, is that realistic? Is that possible to live a life free from worry? Um, let me say one quick thing before we go on, um, which is this, that if, if you're struggling with a lot of anxiety in your life at the minute, um, it's important to say there are lots of good sources of help. Um, and doctors can help and counselors can help. And there are simple exercises you can do for your body and your mind that will help. And friends can help. And it's really good to talk to someone about that if you're really struggling with a lot of anxiety. So I do want to say that before we go on. But, but I also believe this, that underlying the anxiety of our age, there is a spiritual crisis. And these words from Jesus in Matthew 6, I think, are tremendously helpful in getting to the heart of why we are so worried and so anxious. Um, and so I want to walk with you through um, four bits of wisdom from this teaching of Jesus that I find really helpful. And they start kind of very practical and then go maybe a little bit deeper. Uh, but I want to just pick out four things that Jesus says that I think are really helpful for our age of anxiety. Um, 
And the first one is very practical and very blunt, is that worry is useless. <laughs> um, I love that bit where Jesus says, which of you by worrying can add a single R to your life? Or in some translations, a single cubit to your height. You can't make yourself taller. You can't make your life longer. You can't avoid any of the things that are coming to you by, by worrying about them. Worry is useless. Um, I wonder if you noticed that most of the things that you worry about don't actually end up happening. Um, some of them do. Some of them, some of them, many of them don't. Um, Corey Ten Boom uh, once said this, that worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow but it empties today of its strength. I think that's profoundly true. It empties today of its joy, but it doesn't do any good. It is useless. That, that's a piece of practical wisdom that's good to sort of talk to yourself about that, uh, about the uselessness of worry. I'd, by itself, that bit of wisdom is not enough, but it's a good place to start. Um, the worry is useless. Let's go to the next bit of wisdom. Jesus says... Look at the birds and look at the flowers. Um, and before we get to the spiritual lessons that we can learn from the birds and the flowers, I want to actually just take that as a, a simple command from Jesus. That's a simple piece of practical encouragement. Get outside and look at the birds and at the flowers and at the trees and the sky and the rivers and the mountains and everything that's out there. Um, I wonder if you ever thought of that as a, a command from Jesus. Consider the birds, look at the birds, look at the flowers. Um, the poet Emily Dickinson uh, once said she reckoned it was the only, the only biblical command she'd never broken, was consider the birds, consider the flowers. Um, I said earlier, there's lots of evidence that our screens are making us anxious. There's also lots of evidence, and Debs can tell you more about this, that being outside and in creation is really good for your mind, and it helps make us less anxious. So even before we get to the spiritual lessons, just obeying that command, paying attention to the birds and the flowers will already start to do you good. Um, so maybe that's an encouragement for you this week. Switch off your TV, leave your phone in a drawer, and go and consider the birds. Go and consider the flowers, and already that will start to do you good. So first, worry is useless. Second, Look at the birds, look at the flowers. Third thing, going a little bit deeper. We need to go from the many things to the one thing. The cure for our, our worry and anxiety is to focus our scattered and overwhelmed minds on just one thing. What does Jesus say in verse 32? He says, the pagans run after all these things. They run around like headless chickens running after many, many things. But what does he say to us? You seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. I think that's one thing, not two. That's two ways of saying the same thing. Seek his kingdom and his righteousness. Fix your mind and your heart on this one thing that really and truly matters. Um, the reason I, I put a mountain on the screen um, is one of, one of my favorite images in the Bible of the kingdom of God um, comes in uh, Daniel chapter 2 where the kingdom of God is pictured as a stone which shatters the feet of the idols of our world and the kingdoms of our world. But then the stone grows to become a mountain that fills the whole world and is an unshakable kingdom. 
Um, and I think that, that image is really helpful if we're thinking about fixing our minds and hearts on the reality of the kingdom of God, um, on a mountain that can't be shaken. Or maybe if that image is too big, the kind of the mountain that fills the whole world, um, this, this also reminds me of uh, the encounter Jesus had when he spoke to Martha. And Martha, of course, was running around like a headless chicken um, after many things. Um, and she was worry, worrying about all the things that needed to be done. And do you remember what Jesus said to her? He said, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is necessary. And in that story, what was the one thing? The one thing was to sit at the feet of Jesus. Um, maybe you can put those two images side by side. The mountain, which is the kingdom of God. But if you want to fix your heart on the kingdom, on the mountain, you fix your eyes on the king. You come and sit at the feet of Jesus. That's how you, that's how you fix your heart on God's kingdom, is by fixing your eyes on the king. Uh, maybe we could say it this way. If God is just one thing among many in our lives, uh, just one thing on the list of things that go on in our lives, then our hearts will be scattered and distracted and anxious but if our hearts are fixed on him as the one thing at the center, as our foundation, if we're rooted and established in him, if our life is hidden with Christ in God, then all the many things will start to find their natural place. So we need to move from the many things and running around after them all to fixing our hearts on the one thing, which is the kingdom of God and which is Jesus our King. Here's the, the fourth thing I want to pick out from uh, this beautiful wisdom of Jesus. Um, is that we need, we need to trust our Father who cares for us. And this for me maybe is the, the heart and core of this whole section. This is the lesson that we're to learn from the birds and the flowers. God watches over them and he feeds them and he clothes them in beauty. And what does Jesus say to us? You are much more valuable than a bird. You are much more valuable than a flower. You have a father who loves you and who holds you in his hands. And that is the, the deepest and the most powerful cure for worry. Um, it sounds really simple. It's hard to get into our hearts. Uh, but that's the heart of, of this teaching from Jesus. Trust your father who cares for you, that you have a father who loves you, who holds you in his hands. Um, psalm 73 uh, is one of my favorite psalms. And in Psalm 73, the, the psalmist is feeling overwhelmed by the world and by everything that's wrong in the world and seeing the wicked prosper and seeing the faithful suffer and nothing seems to make sense. And he actually says at one point, my foot nearly slipped. Um, he nearly gave in to despair because the world was so wrong. Um, but Psalm 73 actually ends in beautiful quietness and trust and confidence in God. What is it that makes the difference for the psalmist? Um, I think it's this one simple phrase uh, in verse 23 of Psalm 73. He says, but I am always with you and you hold me by my right hand. That's it, right? The world is mad. The world is, makes no sense. The world is out of kilter. And then this moment where he realizes, he remembers, but 
I am always with you and you hold me by my right hand. And maybe that image of a child holding the hand of the father, I think, is at the heart of what this passage is about, of trusting our father who walks with us, who cares with us, uh, who loves us. Um, maybe we wonder, but how, how do we get that truth into our hearts? We, we kind of know that's true. Um, how do we get that into our hearts? Um, maybe I want to refer to another verse um, in Philippians 4. Uh, Paul writes and says, do not be anxious about anything. So there's the same encouragement. Do not worry. Do not be anxious. But how does that verse go on? Paul says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. That's the, the practical encouragement from Paul, is bring your anxieties, your troubles, your worries to God in everything. Um, don't just try and bury them or ignore them or pretend they're not there, because they'll just buzz away in the back of your mind and rob you of your peace and rob you of your joy. But we're invited to bring all our concerns to God. Um, and I want to encourage you to bring the little things that seem silly or trivial and bring the big things that seem overwhelming. Uh, bring them all. And in that passage in Philippians 4, we then get a, a double promise, which I love, uh, which is firstly that the peace of God, uh, which passes all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind. And then a few verses later, this promise that the God of peace will be with you. That's a pretty good double promise. The peace of God will guard your heart and your mind and the God of peace will be with you. Um, so how do we get this truth into our hearts? We turn all of our anxieties and worries into prayer. Um, maybe still we, we wonder about this. Most of us know that's what we need to do. And we do, most of us do, I think, uh, a lot of the time, pray about our worries and pray about our anxieties. Um, I wonder if you ever noticed that it seems possible at times to pray about them and then still carry them around and still not quite be able to, to set them down. Um, the, the German pastor, Helmut Thielicke, who's been helping me a lot recently, um, suggests one reason why this happens. And I, I, I find this really, really helpful. So I want to share it with you uh, to think about um, I may have mentioned this one time before, but it's kind of been following me around a lot, um, and I, I keep coming back to it. Um, Thielica suggests that when we bring our worries and anxieties to God, we often, we, we not only bring our needs to God, but we also tend to tell God the ways and means by which we think those needs should be met. So we come to God with a plan, and we say, not only here's my worry, here's my anxiety, here's my need, but here is how it needs to be fixed. I have it all worked out. Um, and so, essentially, Thielica suggests our trust is still in our plans and solutions. And so even as we pray, we're thinking ahead and making a plan for what to do if God doesn't answer as we hoped. And when he doesn't follow our plan, we, we doubt his goodness and care. And we, we're still holding on to control of the situation ourselves. We, we not only bring the worry, but we, we bring our own action plan. Um, and Thelica suggests, and I, I found this really striking, that this removes the joy from our prayer life. Um, he says our prayers don't leave us fresh and glad like they should. Uh, we, we remain kind of heavy. We're really just worrying out loud to God. Um, 
And he suggests it leaves no room for God's surprises, for God to meet our needs in unexpected ways. We are telling God how he needs to meet our needs rather than leaving room for the God of surprises. And so what Thelica suggests is um, as we come and bring our worries and anxieties to God, um, he, he actually says in our humanness, it's natural we should tell God our ideas about, about the ways and means. So it's natural that we should say to God, I was thinking this might be a good way to, to solve the problem. But having done that, we then need to leave it in his hands and acknowledge that his ways are higher than our ways and leave room for unexpected surprises and even say to God, I, I'd love you to do it in some way that I haven't yet imagined and trust that he cares for us and trust that all things in the, in the end end at his throne. And so we don't need to hang on to them anymore. Um, I think that's a very different way of praying. Um, don't, don't hang on to the ways and means yourself. Don't hold on to the plan yourself. Um, Thelica says, anxiety is always asking constantly, will God help? But he says, trust and faith ask, I wonder how God will help <laughs> And that's a question that is glad and curious and confident. And we're then looking and wondering to see what the God of surprises will do um, in answer to our, our prayers. Um, I find that really helpful. So I'll pass it on to you. Uh, maybe you will too. Um, earlier on, we were singing uh, two songs, both that talked about the storms of life. And Paul didn't know uh, I was going to talk about this, but... Um, there's a wonderful quote from Blaise Pascal, who was a mathematician and a philosopher and a Christian. But he said one time, it is glorious to ride in a ship in a storm if you know it cannot go down. It's glorious to ride on a ship in a storm if you know it cannot go down. Whenever Jesus says, do not worry, I don't think it's like Bob Marley singing don't worry about a thing because every little thing is going to be all right. Because that's not true, right? Every little thing doesn't end up being all right. There are all kinds of things that come in life that are painful and difficult. And in fact, right at the end of our passage, there's a little clue when Jesus said, every day has trouble enough of its own. So he's not promising a life free of trouble, right? He's not promising a life free of storms or waves or uh, painful, difficult things. That come. We know that all kinds of storms and troubles are going to come, but we also know that at the deepest level they cannot harm us because nothing can separate us from the love of God. Right? The ship cannot go down. And in fact, God is going to use those storms and troubles and painful experiences for our good. Faith doesn't remove the unpredictability of life. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow to me, to you, to my family, to the people I care about. Um, but faith brings the knowledge that whatever happens, we are with God and he is with us and he will certainly bring things to a good end. That's that unshakable kingdom. That's the mountain that our hearts are fixed on. He will bring the story to a good end. Or let me say something you may not like me saying, but some of the worst things that we fear might actually happen. Some of them might happen. But they are not 
the end of the story. In fact, I, I sometimes like to say, um, slightly uh, tongue-in-cheek, but I really mean it. Um, when you're in Christ, even the end of the world wouldn't be the end of the world, right? The worst things you can imagine. One day, Jesus is going to reign where'er the sun doth his successive journeys run and his kingdom reign from shore to shore, right? And one day there's going to be no more tears and no more sorrow and no more death and every tear will be wiped away. And in the meantime, Jesus is with us in the storm. We are in our Father's hands. We are in our Father's world. And so even in the valley, he is faithful and he's working for our good. Um, It's a glorious thing to ride on a ship in a storm when you know it can't go down, when you know Jesus is in the boat with you. Um, I want to share one story to finish. And um, I asked William's permission to share this and I put it at the end because I'm going to get emotional. Um, One of the most remarkable things I've ever experienced in my life um, happened in William's living room in Balamani early last year. Um, Most of you know, many of you know Joan Crimble. Joan Crimble experienced one of the worst things that many of us can imagine with motor neuron disease, robbing her one by one of her faculties. Um, Early last year, Joan, I guess, knew that the end was not far away. And she invited me and another family friend to come for a conversation about her funeral. Um, Joan, at that point, was already struggling with her speech. So it was a real effort to get the words out at that point. Um, It's part of what makes the conversation so memorable. Um, But there were some things that she wanted everyone to know at her funeral. Now, we didn't get to have the funeral um, that we were talking about, and so I'm fulfilling a promise to Joan this morning by telling you this. There were some things she wanted you to know. And at one point, she said this. She said, I want everyone to know. I thought, she said, God has given me all that I needed. So I wrote that down in my notebook and I repeated it back to her. I said, is that what you said, Joan? Because it was hard to make out. And she said very deliberately and very fiercely, no. And I said, oh, right. What is it you wanted to say? And she tried again. And she said, he has given me more than I needed. And that was to me an extraordinary testimony. Um, and of course, we have all kinds of questions about why does God allow those things to happen? Why, is, why was our prayer for healing not answered? But Joan's testimony was that she was in a perfectly safe place because God was providing everything and more than she needed. And of course, she chose the song she wanted to sing. Um, on the day of her funeral, um, her family and myself and, the, and their friend Stephen sang in their garden the song that she wanted to sing, and we're going to sing it in a minute. What was the song she wanted sung? All my life, you've been faithful. All my life, you've been so, so good. And with every breath that I'm able, I will sing of the goodness of God. Um, And for me, Joan's remarkable testimony uh, reminds us that uh, in the meantime, while we wait for that day, God's faithful, loving care is experienced, you can think of it a wee bit like our marriage vows, it's experienced in good times and bad times, in sickness and in health, when we're rich, when we're poor. But not, this is really important, not till death us do part. 
Because even death can't separate us from the love of God that is in Christ. And Joan knows that now. Um, Joan is still singing now of the goodness of God. Um, Because even beyond death, he will still be with us and still be holding our hand uh, more than we've ever experienced before. Um, So let's pray together as we finish. Um, And then we're going to sing together uh, that song. Father, you know all the ways in which worry and anxiety can cripple our lives. Father, I want to pray you would help us to take to heart the words of Jesus this morning. And especially I want to pray, would you help us to trust, would you help us to believe in the very depths of our being, that we have a father who loves us, that we have a father who cares for us, who watches over us, who walks with us through every experience of life, that nothing can separate us from his love. Father, I want to pray uh, for those of us who are, whose lives are really overshadowed by, by worry and anxiety. I want to pray in the name of Jesus, would you set your children free to walk without fear, to get up every day and to know today I am in the Father's hands. Today I am living in my Father's world. Help us to fix our hearts on this one thing, which is your love, which is your kingdom, which can never be shaken. Uh, Father, help us this morning to take to heart Joan's remarkable testimony and to look to you as the God who will give us every day more than we need for the day. Um, Father, let these things go deep into our hearts, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.